Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com. Connect via Skype that way. Or if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always make your comments, questions, and concerns be known over on the show thread at liberalband.com. Now, I usually start off the show with the headlines, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and I really just want to head right into it. So yesterday was a huge day in the campaign um, for both the Republican and the Democratic nominations. Um, Let's go to the Republican primaries first, get that out of the way. Um, you know, people expected Donald Trump to win those five states, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. They, everyone expected Trump would get those five states. I don't believe everybody expected him to win them with not just simple majorities, but crushing majorities. Uh, before yesterday's campaign, it was... How many delegates is he going to get? Is he going to get close enough to maybe start the conversation of, well, maybe he has enough to really make it a shot to get the first ballot to, oh, my God, he won so many delegates yesterday. He actually has a shot to get the first ballot. Um, You got 1,237 needed for the nomination. He has 987, meaning he needs 250. If he gets 250 more delegates, which is less than half of the remaining delegates available, he gets the nomination. That is setting the ball kind of low. Now, you've got some proportional states. You've got some states that are winner-take-all. And Indiana is going to be interesting on next Tuesday, on May 3rd, uh, because that is a winner-take-all state. And if Trump can get that, if he can shore that up in May, at the beginning of May, 57 delegates, and put him with less, needing less than 200 delegates to win uh, the nomination, I don't think I don't think this stomp Trump movement is going to work. Um, he'll get probably a majority of California. He'll probably get New Jersey. Um, he'll probably get 
he'll get. I think he'll get most of what he needs. He'll get proportions of delegates. You know, Washington, Oregon, they're proportionally allocated. He'll probably get, you know, a big chunk there. There's. I don't. The only way that Ted Cruz or John Kasich can uh, can stop him is to get Indiana. And I. Trump has so much money that he could make available to him that I don't think it's I don't think it's possible. I think he's going to be able to spend a lot of money in that state and say, "Look, this is we're going to put all of our efforts here, and we're going to um, we're we're going to make this you know one and done. They're they're going to be basically they're going to have no chance of winning after Indiana, and and that's because of Trump's super strong showing on yesterday, yesterday's primaries, he made that possible. Furthermore, his strong showing has the 562 votes for Cruz plus the 583 that are still available. That's 1,145. Even if he, Cruz won every single available delegate, he is mathematically eliminated. Now, here's the one thing that I have a question about is the, how Google is reporting this as being 583 still available. Does that include the unbounds? Does that include, or does, are the unbounds not in that list? Because it's possible he could pick up some unbounds if the, if the 583 does not include the unbounds. But as of Pennsylvania, you know, not only did Trump get the 17 of the 70-something votes that go to the winner of the state, uh, he is said to either have Trump supporters in the correct positions, or he is said to have people who decided they would go with the county results if they won, and as such, they are those counties went to Trump, and he'll get those votes as well. So Cruz is, is not doing looking too good. It's not looking good for Cruz or Kasich or the GOP uh, at all to, to win this election. Nonetheless, Ted Cruz trying to rile up the pedophiles, um, he went ahead and named Carly Fiorina as his running mate. He's not even anywhere close to getting the nomination, but he named himself a running mate. That's just bizarre. One person did it before. It was at a potentially contested election. It was in 76, and Reagan tried to do it, and it failed. Ford got the nomination, and well, he lost, but it didn't work for Reagan either. I don't think that's going to work for Cruz. I don't think it's going to rile up enough support. You know, maybe, maybe he's doing it for California because, well, she's from there. So maybe he's trying to get the support of the Californians to kind of give him give him enough of a bump to keep Cruz from getting enough votes. But uh, I just, 
if he wins Indiana, I don't think there's a way he's going to be able to do that. I think this is going to be the, the shortest vice presidential campaign in the history of campaigns because he'll be done. And I don't think that I really don't think that there's much of anything that the Republican Party can do about it. It really is getting to the point where it's too late. It's very um, kind of quixotic at this point. The idea that they're going to be able to stop Trump. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen at all. So let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Uh, take your calls as well. 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica RW, and Autumn S. I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. RJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, the uh, number to call in is 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. Or you can uh, come to the chat room, leave your comments or questions there, or connect via Skype on from the Blog Talk Radio page, or... If you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns at liberaldan.com. We also have, I also want to have it on the show page, have it on the episode page uh, as an advertisement of sorts. But I also want to just talk about you know, my new, you know, I've talked about for a while now that I'm a driver. I do driving for Uber and Lyft uh, down here in New Orleans. Um, now, Uber and Lyft have some pretty, uh, have some promotions going on. Uh, at the moment, I've created, you know, you ever type something, and I'm sure everybody has done it. You type something on a phone, and you fat finger it, and you type it in wrong. So I don't want to have a situation where you have, um, you have, you're, you, you go download the app, you enter in one of my codes that I put in, 
then you enter it wrong, and then nobody gets the right credit. So instead of that, what I've done is I created a web page, RideshareDan.com. RideshareDan.com has links to rider credits. So if you're a first-time rider with Uber or Lyft, you can go to RideshareDan.com, click on the image for Uber or Lyft, and go ahead and get a credit, uh, your, your, your rider credit, and that will also support me and give me some extra funds as well once you use it. Um, the amount of the credit varies by state. Um, I think in New Orleans, it's $50 worth of credits that are split up amongst several rides. So you can go ahead and do that if you want. Um, I'm going to set it up also in a little bit so that there will be a driver page as well. That driver page will also have links, referral links, so you, you can you know, sign up to be a driver for Uber or Lyft as well. And then there, there are driver bonuses once you complete the requisite number of rides and that the amount of the bonus and the, and the number of rides you must give in order to get the bonus varies per area. Um, some areas there are no rider driver bonuses. So um, that'll be up there as well soon. Um, and I'm probably going to incorporate a lot of other things into that page, including an ability to tip me. Uh, because one thing I've recently learned from Lyft is that when they do their ride driver guarantees uh, for hourly rates, they actually count your tips against you, which kind of stinks. But, you know, it's better than not getting any bump up from that, but it's, it's, it's better to leave tips, I think, via PayPal at this point than on that app. And Uber doesn't even allow you to give a tip. So um, in-app, at least, so you can at least give one there. So uh, before I start talking about the Democratic nomination, I do want to talk a little bit about Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Um, ruled, a court ruled that forced oral sex is not rape if the victim is unconscious from drinking. Now, there, the articles about this have, have basically two ideas, um, or, or people are arguing against is basically two ideas. A, that the court is stupid, or B, um, that the law is written in a stupid way as to deny the ability to be charged of rape if you have somebody um, do something while drunk. Now, I'm trying to find the actual laws, the first and secondary when the victim is intoxicated and the offender knows that the victim is unconscious during the sexual intercourse. So you have a rape code that deals with being unconscious and the person knows that the person is unconscious. Um, however, you have the other issues. This is not intercourse. This is oral sex as such. Let's say it's forced sodomy cannot occur when the victim is so intoxicated as to be completely unconscious at the time of the sexual act of the oral copulation. This is read. Its reasoning, the court said, was that the statute listed several circumstances that constitute force and yet was silent on incapacitation due to the victim drinking alcohol. We will not, in order to justify prosecution of a person for an offense, enlarge a statute beyond the, quote, fair meaning of its language. Uh, 
Uh, Benjamin Fu, the Tulsa County attorney, leading the case of the ruling, had him completely gobsmacked. The plain meaning of forcible or sodomy of using force includes taking advantage of a victim who is too intoxicated to consent. I don't believe that anybody until this day, until that day believed that the state of the law was that this kind of conduct was ambiguous and much less legal. And I don't think the law was a loophole until the court decided that it was to focus on why the victim was able to consent. He continued, puts the victim at fault. So basically, inability to consent um, is not enough, according to the court. Now, there are legal scholars that agree with this ruling, um, which clearly means that the state of Oklahoma has to go do something real quick and change its laws and rewrite the laws in order to um, make sure that nobody can be taken advantage of in this way because this court ridiculously has said otherwise. Um, but, you know, I'm sure Oklahoma is probably trying to, uh, you know, spend more of its time banning women from getting abortions than worrying about if they're raped. Because in conservative red states or conservatives altogether, body autonomy does not matter. Um, plain and simple, body autonomy does not matter. Why is so? And this is completely relevant to the goings on of the camp of the Democratic campaign, because you have people who believe. That if Bernie doesn't get the nomination, which he's not going to, that they're just going to sit at home. But if they're a state that matters, you're going to help a a conservative get in. You're going to help somebody from the Red Party get in and appoint justices to uphold this kind of ridiculousness. Seriously? Let's roll back a second. Last night, now, I've always said, said it before in the last podcast, the previous podcast, Bernie Sanders sustained his campaign as long as he feels like he has a past. And even, you know, whatever, longer still. Before last night happened, I was like, you know, Bernie's path is hard but it's not necessarily unreasonable. It's unlikely, but it's not necessarily unreasonable. And I talked about the math last week. Not expecting that Hillary Clinton would get four out of the five states yesterday. That her Delaware win would offset Bernie's Rhode Island win, that Clinton would win Connecticut, and that Clinton would win Maryland and Pennsylvania, and would win Maryland by such a huge, huge degree. I mean, Hillary got 61 delegates, Sanders only has 33 in Maryland. No. She gained more in Maryland on Bernie than she did in Pennsylvania, where it was 104 to 81, delegate-wise. The other races, you know, Delaware 12 to 9, Hillary, Connecticut 28 to 27, Hillary, Rhode Island 13 to 11, Sanders, they're both very close. But again, 
in the states where he kept it close or he was able to win, he wasn't able to win by a large enough margin to do it to make anything that looks like reasonable ground. And Hillary actually even gained even more ground on her, eliminating five more states from the list. So when I started looking at those numbers, even before um, they actually finalized them last night, I, I started looking at this saying there's, He's in trouble. He's, I mean, he was in trouble before, but he was in major trouble. And then it was reported that the Sanders campaign gave a press release saying that they're going to stay in the campaign. They believe that every single state should have the ability to have a, to have their say on what should be talked about in the convention for issues and let their mind, let, let their minds be known that we want these issues discussed. And so he moved. They moved away from saying that you know we're going to try and win this nomination, and moved towards the idea of we're going to try and push a lot of push push a lot of voters and push uh, push a lot of delegates out there so that we can have a say in, in in this in this conversation to show that it wasn't you know Hillary completely running away with everything that. We have a large portion of voters in the Democratic Party who believe things should be a lot more progressive, who believe in these issues of you know, climate change, uh, believe in the issues of uh, Wall Street reform, the student, lo- student loan and university studies, and for, you know, things that Bernie wants to add on, money in politics, etc. So at the moment they said this, I, was, I, just, I just immediately started tweeting, this is a de facto uh, concession speech uh, by Sanders. And as soon as I said that um, in my tweet, I think it was either Chuck Todd or I think it was Chuck Todd on MSNBC who said, this sounds like a de facto concession. And as things went into today, you wound up having a situation where it really was. They are now laying off people who work for the campaign. They are, you know, they are moving into the role of what they're trying to do, which is encouraging people to get out to vote for the issue, and not necessarily to under with the belief that Hillary, that Bernie is going to have any shot of winning, because in reality, Bernie didn't even have a shot of winning before yesterday. But he really, there's no path. There's, there was no path, and the fact that his campaign admitted it and said, "Look, this is this is basically the point of no return. This is the point. Um, if you watch Back to the Future Three, where uh, once they pass that sign, that they can't go back, that they have to. It's either the future or bust. So, you know, and I support the idea of. of them doing going to the convention you know not trying to destroy the democratic party but trying to push it more left there are some issues that i think that the democratic party should be a little more liberal on there you know there's a reason why i've been saying all this time that if hillary's the nominee i'll enthusiastically support her but if bernie's the nominee i'll enthusiastically support him i like a lot of what he says i've liked a lot of what he said you know i'm i'm probably one of those single-digit people 
who before this election knew who Bernie Sanders was. I liked him. I liked Bernie Sanders before this election started. He's fine. He's, he's, he supports good policy positions. Um, he's caucused with the Democratic Party in the Senate and helped keep he helped us maintain a lead uh, when it was close. So, so I, I don't. I'm not angry at him. Some of his supporters annoy me, but some of Hillary's supporters annoy me too. I had to block one of her, one of her supporters on my page. Something completely unrelated, but you know, just because you're Hillary supporter doesn't mean I'm going to get along well with you. And I'm not necessarily going to get along well with all of Bernie supporters either. I've had some interesting discussions. People assume that because I'm being critical of a Bern, of Bernie Sanders or his supporters or things that they say that some somehow I am pro Hillary. You know, I'm on pro Hillary. I'm just pro Bernie too. I'm pro supporting the Democratic Party and making sure that we we win, making sure that liberals are the ones nominating Supreme Court justices. So, but where did where did the Bernie Sanders campaign go wrong? That's that's one thing that you know needs to be discussed. Where did the Bernie Sanders campaign go wrong? Now, there's lots of issues that he had with the campaign. So, and some Facebook thread and a comment that I commented on about somebody who said that she's never voted for Hillary ever. And a lot of the Sanders supporters were like, oh, the DNC shoved Hillary down our throats. Did they? No. We all, when did we know that Hillary Clinton was going to be running for president in 2016? When did we know that? Well, the easy one is to say that we knew in 2013, because that's when she stepped down from being president, from being Secretary of State. She stepped down from the office of Secretary of State, and everybody at that point knew she's running for president in 2016. There you go. But probably earlier, she probably started running in 2008 at the convention when. Or maybe maybe after the November of 20, 2008, when Obama won, and now she could focus on building her group. So she's known for a long time, eight years, that, that she's going to probably run for president again. So she's had all this time to work on gaining allies, gaining support by the superdelegates, working on building up a coalition, working on building up a team. And when she was out being Secretary of State, well, Bill could have been working on that on her behalf, working with people, trying to make sure that they could get you know, the support that they would need. And at that point, when she basically said, look, I'm it's going to be when everybody pretty much knew, even before she just stepped down, that she was going to be running for president. I mean, she basically was the presumptive favorite. Nobody else was stepping into the batter's box. Nobody else was saying that you know they were going to be running until 2014, when Bernie Sanders started talking about the possibility that he might run for president. And even then, he was kind of you know, talking to people, getting some ideas as to what he might do, he started way too late. There was far too little time for him to be able to go up against 
Hillary Clinton's machine that she already had put into place. She had already had lined up the delegates to support her. She already lined up, you know, financial support, any other types of support that you might need to run for president. She had it all. She had all her ducks in a row before Sanders even first uttered the words, I'm thinking of running for president. Now, his campaign has been fairly amazing. He went from single digits to being polled, you know, have a tying poll with her. And he he is winning. He's won several of the states. Uh, But in reality, Bernie Sanders, his one biggest flaw, I think, in this campaign is not only did he ignore the South and wrote off the South, but he basically discredited the South and said, look, she's winning these states. They're conservative states. They're conservative states, but they have liberals living in them. And they have people that are part of the Democratic base who who can be relied upon. And I said before, and I'll say it again, her running in the, Obama running in the South in 2008, not only won him the election nomination, but it allowed him to win, including a favorable, favorable matchup in North Carolina. He was able to win North Carolina. That's crazy. Nobody would have thought that Obama had a chance of winning North Carolina at the beginning of the election. I didn't even think Obama had a chance of Obama winning North Carolina when they showed that he was winning in North Carolina. Only until the votes were certified was like, holy crap, he actually won North Carolina. That's insane. But when it comes to running a political machine, when it comes to setting up a campaign and doing exactly what needs to be done to to win an election, Barack Obama taught a master class. He showed you how it's done. Bernie could have learned from him and made the South competitive. If Bernie makes the South competitive, even if he doesn't win all of the Southern states, even if he just gets closer to Clinton in those, in those states, just a little closer, and don't be shy. South Carolina had 53 delegates. Clinton won 39 to 14. Now imagine if Clinton had gotten, you know, only 20. Maybe let's say it was 20. Let's say it was just even just 30. 30 to 23. Let's say it was, let's say it was even closer. Let's say Bernie was able to be competitive. Let's say she wins, but she wins with. Uh, 27, 27 to 26. So that would give him 12 more delegates. More. So Alabama, 44 to 9. 44 delegates, Clinton. Sanders has 9. If, uh, let's say maybe Sanders could have gotten 25. Let's say she, he could get 25. That would give, that would be 16 more. Um, I'm not going to say anything about Arkansas. Um, Texas, 147 votes for Clinton in Texas to Cruz's, not Cruz's, to Sanders' 75. I mean, she won two-thirds of Texas. Let's say he could have brought it up to let's say 100. Let's say she adds another, he adds another 25 there. 
73 to 29 in Georgia. Let's say he gets another 15 there. Tennessee, 44 to 23. Let's say he gets another seven there. Become makes it a little more competitive. Let's say Virginia. Let's say he's able to get it up to 45. That's another 12 there. Um, Louisiana, that's 51 Delaware. That's the only one 14. Let's say he's able to get it up to 25 again. Let's add another 11 into that mix. Mississippi. 32 to 4. Let's say he gets he he could get it up to 15. That's another 11. Um, Florida. Let's say he's able to get it up to 100. So that's another 27. Gets him up to 136 more votes. North Carolina was was fairly close. Let's just keep that. But you know that's not necessarily a quote southern state. So let's say pledge delegate-wise, um, Sanders managed to just compete in the South, not even giving him a win in the South, but him winning more delegates in the South. 136 more, let's say he would get 136 more votes, plus the 13, 16 in pledge delegates that he already has. That would give him 1452. Right? Remember, 1452. 1452, so let's clear that for a second, and then let's say, say Clinton 1644 minus the 132 that she would have no longer had, 1512, 1512 to 1450, that is a difference of 60 pledged delegates. Had Sanders put any effort into the South. And even if he didn't win any of the Southern races, if he would have put effort into the South, if he would have, you know, not ignored it for being quote conservative States that should, we won't win in the fall and instead treated those democratic voters as if, as, as if they were any other voters, those democratic delegates, as if they were any other delegates, they would be separated by maybe 60 ballot ballots, assuming he was able to gain those things without a single win. He goes from being down 1644, 1316, down 300, let's count that again, 1644 plus 1316. He goes from, instead of, he goes from being down 328 in the pledge delegate total to being down 60. That makes this a whole new race. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. And that is one of the main reasons I'm going to say that he lost this race. Now, also, another thing he could have done is he could have started targeting superdelegates earlier. And maybe he could have started, if, if those people who were superdelegates were insistent on voting for Hillary, maybe run people who are allied to the Sanders movement and run them for Congress try to foster those people to run against Hillary supporters uh, to try and get a more progressive ballot running for the fall so that he can have progressive candidates running down ticket. But again, he also didn't do that. But clearly 
not targeting the South was, I think, his biggest mistake. Starting too late was also a big mistake. If he wanted to run for president, he needed to start much before this. But not targeting the South is a huge, huge mistake. And it cost him. It cost him the nomination. So when we come back and discuss some of the other things dealing with the campaign, uh, taking your calls as well, area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Production of Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. At least 45,000 workers have won class action lawsuit rights in a National Labor Relations Board case against Menards, the Midwest-based home improvement supply store chain owned by Wisconsin anti-union billionaire John Menard, is settling the case with the NLRB rather than trying to fight the charges that his company is violating labor law. OPEIU Local 153 attorney Seth Goldstein filed the charges along with attorney Marissa McDermott. Goldstein says this is a big victory for workers. John Menard, arch critic of Obama, has now endorsed the position of the National Labor Relations Act. I think that the employers are going to fear the Menard settlement because now a major company has acknowledged that class action waivers violate the National Labor Relations Act. Menards had illegally imposed arbitration agreements on workers as a condition of employment. The agreements forced workers to give up class action lawsuits in return for an arbitration system imposed by the company. I don't know of any companies that have agreed to withdraw waivers on class actions from their mandatory arbitration agreements in a settlement with the National Labor Relations Board. This settlement means Menards will no longer use these mandatory arbitration agreements and must inform its workers that the agreements violate labor law. We were able to achieve something that I don't believe has been achieved against any other company thus far. Menards was compelled to enter into an agreement with the National Labor Relations Board and will withdraw class action waivers from all 45,000 or more mandatory personal arbitration agreements. Forcing Menards to abandon the arbitration requirement is a major victory for workers. It goes well beyond just Menards. Goldstein says 43% of employers use these imposed arbitration agreements as conditions of employment. Co-counsel Marissa McDermott says that the imposed arbitrations at Menards was the major illegality in this case. That is really what we see as being the major illegality here is that we don't know how many people have signed these agreements or have read these policies and felt that they were legal and applied to them, and so they never bothered to call a lawyer. They never bothered to file a claim. They never bothered to pursue their rights because they didn't think they had any. Workers' Independent News is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, online at teamster.org and by the American Federation of Government Employees, online at AFGE. 
org. Win is also made possible in part by the IBEW. You've been listening to Win Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the West, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. Now, um, in a post made on Facebook uh, by one of my Facebook friends, uh, fellow, uh, a person who is a Bernie supporter, fellow, a person who's uh, helped, I actually helped her run for Congress one time. Um, Bernie is still my guy, is what she says. He earned my respect and support legitimately, as I consider him to be the best presidential candidate ever. If after the convention in July there is another nominee, I will gracefully accept what I must and vote blue. My excitement and exuberance when I transfer her over, and I would not be contributing to the conversation, um, which, you know, I hope she'd be a little more excited than that. But uh, response is, you are a much better woman than me. I won't vote Hillary. If I have to, I'll go third, third party. Let them have Donald. To which I replied, I am a white, cisgendered, non-Muslim, heterosexual male. Under Trump, my life would likely not be any different. However, I am friends with people who are Muslims. If they, if they visit their relatives overseas, will they be able to come back home under Trump's no-Muslim policy? Republicans controlling the House, Senate, and Presidency, you want them controlling SCOTUS nominations? What if RGB dies? Or RBG dies, sorry. How many Trump Supreme Court nominations is tolerable? Would we start to see rights wither away? Of course we would. Gay marriage? Done. States will be able to not recognize them again with a GOP stacked court. Women's rights to body autonomy? Done. Say hello to back alley abortions again. Say goodbye to the remaining provisions of the Voting Rights Act. Until then, a conservative Justice Department will not go after states who violate the remaining parts of the Voting Rights Act. I could go on and on, but I won't. Hillary has 100% rating by NARAL on Planned Parenthood. She won't let those or other rights go away. By all means, vote for Bernie in the primary and advocate for him. And if you live in a state that it doesn't matter, like Louisiana, if the GOP doesn't run a third-party conservative to challenge Trump, then your actions don't concern me. But if you have a chance to stop GOP nominations to the court in a state that matters and you don't because you personally dislike Hillary, well, I have nothing. I have to question how your your progressivity, I have to question how progressive you really are. Even Bernie said that Hillary on her worst day is much better than anyone the GOP is offering. And I say this to somebody who honestly has no candidate preference. I didn't get to vote in the Louisiana primary because I'm registered no party but I will advocate loudly and enthusiastically for the winner of the Democratic Party because issues like body autonomy, LGBT rights, minority rights, etc., are vital, and we cannot allow the GOP to erode the progress that we have made. So, and that's a lot of what I'm doing. We're seeing a lot. I'm seeing a lot of people. You know, I, I was having a conversation with somebody on one of my threads that he said that young people don't understand how important the Supreme Court is. And they just don't. And that's probably right. They probably don't look at the history and don't see the fight that had to be done for these issues, even though they should see they should have seen the fight uh, that had to be done to get marriage equality. 
same fights for getting body autonomy. And you have conservative states that reject body autonomy. You can violate a woman orally under the sodomy statutes of Oklahoma and not get charged with rape. Because for some reason the laws don't allow for it or the judges are ridiculous. One of the two. So this this is, I think, a lot of what we're going to be dealing with. We're going to be dealing with people who, you know, maybe they just need time to grieve. Maybe Bernie Sanders supporters just need time to grieve. Maybe eventually they'll see just how bad Trump is. They'll see just how bad he is and come around and say, look, we have to support Hillary. Um, until then, I don't know. How much time do I need to give a Bernie or Buck person? I don't know. Do I do I say that they need time to grieve? Do I give them? Do I, do do we do we let, leave them alone for a month? Uh, do we not? Do I not pick on them until after the convention? Once the convention hits, um, do we then go from there? I don't know. I don't know if letting them grieve is the right thing to do. Or if letting them grieve just lets them fester. Maybe some people need to be let let to grieve and other people need a proverbial smack across the head going, come on, wake up. Look at what what your actions are going to do. I just, you know, something else I wrote on on one of my threads, and I'll read that here too, is that, you know, one of the major criticisms that I've seen of Hillary Clinton is that, you know, her opinions change over time. And they, they give examples of where she supported one thing one time later, and then later on she supported something else. Meaning that she's not necessarily an idealist. Maybe she's more of a pragmatist. Maybe she's, maybe she's somebody, you know, there's two options there. Maybe there's more, but there's two options that I considered. Either it means she has a mind that is open to new ideas and is willing to listen to opposing viewpoints and adjust her worldview when reasonable arguments are made. Or maybe she's just willing to move leftward when voters who support her need her to do so in order to stay in office. If it's the latter, wouldn't that mean that she's actually listening to what people want? So if Hillary Clinton at that point in time is able to, is willing to say, look, in order for me to win this election, I'm going to have to convince these people, I'm going to have to give these people what they want. So I will move leftward on that issue and I will give those people what they want. Well, isn't that what they want? Don't they want her to, to endorse the policy positions that they're supporting? If she's willing to do that, then what's wrong with that? And if it's the former, and if the Bernie Sanders supporters are able to convince her, look, here's why, what we support and here's why we support it, and she's able to look at the things and say, oh, you know what, you're right. I, I think I'm going to need to change my position on this because you've made a solid argument. If she has an open mind that's willing to accept new viewpoints and adjust her worldview based off of new evidence, then that's good as well. Either way, I fail to see the problem with her moving on issues. It's the idealist. Take Ted Cruz, for example. He's never going to move on an issue like abortion. Never. You could give him fact after fact after fact. Jesus told him to not do it, so he's not going to support it. 
he is an idealist. He believes that things should be a certain way. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. He is not open to new ideas. He is not going to change his mind. He believes that you should come along with him because he has the answers. Only he has the answers. Trump's kind of that way, too. I would say Trump's a little more flexible in he's willing to say anything. But unlike Hillary, I think that Trump would say anything to get elected and then not follow through with it. I think Hillary would actually follow through on those things that she said she wants to do to justify them. Because what does every first-term president want? Second term. Let's go ahead and take the final commercial break. I'll wrap up afterwards. Uh, If you do want to call in, uh, I can extend the show for a half hour because that's what I always do. 347-838-8368. It's area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. representation or advice on issues such as family law, bankruptcy law, DWI, or other civil or criminal matters, you need hands-on legal advice from someone who will treat you as a priority and not just another number. So call the law office of Sherry I. Sandler at 504-528-9500. That's 504-528-9500. Or email sandlerlaw at cox.net. I trust Sherry with my legal needs. So should you. The preceding ad was an unpaid client endorsement. Do you like fun jewelry? Do you wish you could design jewelry that is designed just for you and that tells your story? Well, with Origami Owl, you can do just that. An Origami Owl jewelry bar is a fun way to get together with your friends, hang out, and design jewelry. There is no pressure to buy, but when you host a party, either in person or online, you have the opportunity to get deeply discounted jewelry based on what the friends you invite to the party purchase. If you would be interested in holding a party, either online or in person, go to kathiezcharms.origamiowl.com. That is C-A-S-S-I-E-Z charms.origamiowl.com and contact Cassie today. Welcome back to Liberal Land Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Area code 347-838-8368 to call in. That's area code 347-838-8368. Or you can listen to the, uh, you can go to the chat room, leave your comments there. Or you can, after the broadcast, you can go leave your comments, questions, and concerns over at liberaldan.com. Again, go to ridesharedan.com if you need uh, new rider credits for either Uber or Lyft. That will help me out. Or and you could also, if you want to help the podcast out by supporting it, uh, you can contribute it to it at GoFundMe.com slash LiberalDan. So that's the ways you can help me out, help the show expand. I would love to do more with the show. I can only do so much, but I would love to do more with the show, and I can only do that with your support. And I think the show could be much better once you get there. Um, I'm looking to, you know, once, you know, Soon, I'll probably, I'm getting some stuff from my Budgeteers website, the Disney website that I work on. I'm getting some stuff for that. 
um, all put together, um, getting some stuff. Uh, once I do that, I'm probably going to start making some more political, some political videos for uh, the YouTube channel um, and hoping to get it into full gear so that once the election, once the conventions come around, I'll be able to, you know, do what I did in the 2008 elections on my personal account and make a lot of YouTube content. Hopefully a lot of people see it. Maybe that will get to show more exposure as well. Here's hoping. Um, anyway, so pretty much wrapping up the ideas here from tonight. You have... Um, You have the uh, Republican nomination that's, you know, hinges on Indiana. Uh, once, if Trump can win Indiana, I don't think they're going to be able to stop him. The stop Trump forces are not going to be able to do anything, and they're, they're going to be looking at a first ballot yes vote for Trump. Um, Trump will be the GOP nominee. And then it will be up to um, conservatives to see if they're going to challenge him with a third-party run or not. And here's the deal. Here, here's the situation. You know, a lot of, I've been very careful a lot, a lot, in a lot of my attempts on wording this issue, where if you're a liberal in a state that matters and, you know, you, you, and you don't vote for the Democratic nominee, uh, you're causing a problem. Now, what is a state that matters? Well, if Trump is the Republican nominee and Sanders is the Democratic nominee, or I'm sorry, and Sanders or Clinton is a Democratic nominee and nobody else is running that's a major candidate, then like living in Louisiana, you don't live in a state that matters. Louisiana will vote for Trump. There's no way Louisiana is going to vote for Hillary. There's no way that Louisiana would have voted for Bernie. Bernie would have won the election. So if the Republicans decide, you know what? We don't want Trump to win. We want another person to run. Let's say Romney runs as a third-party candidate. Let's say somebody else altogether runs as a third-party candidate, as, as, a, as a Republican other, or whatever they would want to call it, maybe just as an independent, maybe as a conservative. Maybe they call it their party, a new party, a conservative party. So they run that person in opposition to... Trump and the Democratic nominee. At that point, if the conservatives are splitting the votes in these states, then you live in a if, even if you live in Louisiana, you now live in a state that matters. You now live in because it matters for more than one reason. A, uh, it's possible for the Democrats to win that election. B, there's the risk that nobody gets the 270 in the Electoral College, in which case the House of Representatives gets to pick. And it's done on a state-by-state basis and not a representative basis. So even if the Democrats have a majority in the House, even if they're able to overcome all of the gerrymandering that take place, you still have more conservative states than liberal states. And as such, you will see the Republic, you will see the conservative uh, nominee get in and not Hillary and probably not Trump either. So who, whoever is running is going to actually be you know, will determine whether or not you live in a state that matters or not. But in the, in the most typical circumstance where there is only a Republican and a Democrat and no other major candidates running, um, in that situation, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, South Carolina, all of those states won't matter. They'll all go for the Republican, and there's no way to stop it. But otherwise, you might be in a state that matters, 
And as such, you are really risking autonomy. You are really risking putting the nation in the hands of the people that would write these laws, like in Oklahoma. It's ridiculous. Anyway, let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and end the show just a minute or two early. Um, Again, if you want to uh, follow me more, you can follow me at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, facebook.com slash liberaldan, uh, liberaldan.com as well. Um, Next week is actually May the 4th. Uh, Keep at Star Wars Day. Keep uh, your eyes on my Twitter account. It's possible that I may only do the show on the 5th instead of the 4th. Uh, because I might want to do something for Star Wars Day. Um, So just keep your eyes on Twitter. Follow me there and see if I change my show for next week. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left. That's right.